What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to this special edition of Real Chronicles brought to you by RealTalking.com. I'm your host, David. And why is it special, you ask? Because it's like the 96 Bulls are reuniting. We got Ryan. Reunited and it feels so good. (laughs) And I think this is a trend that when we make, we do a podcast about horror movies from a location i think this is where we're bringing him back leo coming back <laughs> like i i i feel like i i joked about it off the line yesterday leo we love him on all the time but leo's like a 90s sitcom star for three seasons and for the rest of the time the sh- series he's on he's like yeah. the the guest star he's ron howard at the end of the series <laughs> yeah he's like the leo dicaprio on growing pains that's <laughs> So, Yo, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> so today, Leo returns because he came from Elm Street as we are breaking down the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. It's a lot of movies to get into. So no taglines this week, but we do have some news that we want to get into real quick. Uh, the first thing is uh, a lot of DC movement uh, in terms of their movies. So I'm going to run through them real quick. Batman now moves to December 2022. The Flash moves to 2022. Shazam moves to 2023. Black Adam is now off the calendar completely. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I don't like the Batman move for this specific reason. I think um, with all the hype of the trailer, I think moving it to 2022 is kind of a mistake. I don't know if you guys would agree on that. I mean, it, it's it's weird, bro, because I feel like all these moves are tough, right? Because mm-hmm. like by the time Black Widow finally comes out, what the hell? It's been like five years since the last Marvel movie. It feels like so, it. Um, and same thing with the Batman trailer, right? Like you want to capitalize on the hype, like you want to build them, like, and now it's like you have to start all over again if you keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. But I, I mean, the the, the studios need to do this just for like to maximize on revenue. Agreed. I think what's going to end up happening, D, is kind of like. Depending on how the the world he's handling this this pandemic is at a one point or another it's gonna come push comes to shove and you're gonna be like hey we have to release it or we're not gonna make any money I'll let's agree. just do it virtually yeah Ryan thoughts I mean I think this kind of smart to move it to 2022 only because there's so much that people are pushing to 2021 so like we said a couple of weeks ago then it's gonna be hard to make money in 2021 so pushing it to 2022 does make a little bit of sense that said i'm very sad about it the other movies moving does it's not shocking because some of them haven't even begun filming yet so it, it's not really shocking there here's my thoughts and i want to get your guys take on this i have been going back and forth with many people on this I'm a traditionalist. I love the movie theater experience, and we've kind of brushed on it a little bit on here in previous months. But I think that this is very, very similar in terms of not accepting the future of watching movies like Napster was in 99, 2000. And like Napster was this thing that a lot of pe- a lot of traditionalists were like, "Oh, you know, I love my CDs. I'm never gonna stream music." Fast forward to 2020, that same person is streaming music. I think they need to, people need to start coming to the realization that the theater going experience is going to change forever, ever, ever. And the fact that everything keeps moving, we're gonna lose theaters. And I I've had this conversation also about studios buying movie theaters. That would be terrible because can you imagine like 
someone like Disney. Disney's the perfect example. Buys AMC theaters. Where's Universal going to play their movies? Where is Paramount, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, stuff like that. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you can mm. make the argument that they can make a deal with Disney. Why would they want more money in their competition's pockets? <laughs> I think streaming is going to, like, Leo Leo kind of hinted at it. Like, eventually these movies are going to have to come out. So I'm starting to think, like, if by 20, by, let's say we're not out of this. God, hope we are. But let's say we're not out of this by the summer of next year. These movies are going to come out, and they're just going to make deals with these streaming services, and then that's it. I mean, Netflix looks so good right now, and Disney Plus, and and I use Disney as an example to buy the theater, but they they don't have to; they have their streaming service. But folks like Warner Brothers, stuff like that, I think you know they may start looking at mid twenty twenty one if these movies aren't coming out, reaching out to like an Amazon Prime or a Netflix to play their movies. But uh, thoughts on like the theater going experience going away eventually, right? I mean, sad fact, but, you know, everything changes. I mean, brick and water, everything is going away, mm-hmm. you know, from Amazon taking over. So movie theaters just seems to be next, especially with this pandemic. Yep. Leo? Yeah, dude. And I think you, you, you pretty much you tied a bow on it, dude. It's, it's, I think right now we're still holding out hope, right? We're still we're just hoping and praying that things are going to get better all of a sudden. But I think that we do that in every single aspect of our lives with, like, going out to eat and dining and trying to like be our best with like just like little events here and there. But if, if it doesn't get better, you're right. The, the business needs to survive. And at that point, you kind of have to just pull the trigger on these drastic moves. Agree. And very interesting. One Wonder Woman hasn't moved. Very interesting. It's the only one left. So I'm expecting that too. Uh, and I, I, Jenny's not here to, to yell at me for saying this, but I think Wonder Woman's going to HBO Max. That yeah, and actually, David, I, if 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 um if it might also start prompting this new this new world of of premieres where like maybe studios are going to like like uh strategic strategically place movies that they're like let's give this one a shot in real world, but this one we need to do virtual, and they're still going to be playing this like like um I guess this chess game of like how they can maximize like remember when like with Soul Soul would be a kids movie that they're like all right no matter what we're going to do fantastic in virtual yep. in a and then, like, but this, like, tenant, let's give it a shot with, like, a limited release in the real world because it's, it's worth it. Yeah, um, I agree. I think the day, I, I, this I mentioned um, a few months ago, I think the day and date is going to be a good thing. Uh, day and date means that it premieres in theaters and it premieres on streaming. Ah, That's what I, I think know. they should be doing in the future if they want to save movie theaters. I think they should just let whatever comes out comes out and people go wherever they want to see it and they have the opportunity to obviously box office will never be the same again so i think avengers will never ever be unless things really really change i don't think avengers will ever lose that top spot yeah isn't that crazy to crazy isn't that crazy like once upon a time we were already talking about like like the franchises and which one can like size it up you know obviously star wars being like the, the top dog mm-hmm. but Imagine winning on a like a technicality like this because you were the last one able to do it. <laughs> and I remember, and I don't know if you, I had this conversation with you guys, but I was thinking, what tops this? I don't think there's any you know theater experience that's gonna top Endgame for me. And then here we are, a year and a half later, and we're like, maybe now we just want now we just want any. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take anything. I'll take like, anything. 
I'll take I'll take any reboot, anything just to like be in the movie theaters. I like I'll t- I'll take anything but a Zack Snyder movie. Like I'll take anything right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. If you, if, if you, if you, Dave, if you if you were to tell me right now, hey, look, after this next movie experience, we're gonna close off all movie theaters for the rest of time, but it is the four hour Snyder cut. I would still go just because uh, I know I can't ever go again. I wouldn't risk COVID for Zack Snyder. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, well, but you have a movie to yourself. <laughs> but we'll we'll see what happens with that. Uh, next bit is actually Marvel news. Benedict Cumberbatch joins the cast of Spider Man Three. Leo, before you you got off full time on here, you said that Evan Peters would not be Quicksilver. Has that changed now? It has not. It has not. Really. It still hasn't changed now. Um, so it's funny though. This Cumberbatch news is pretty big, and I know that it's it's sparking some fear or some like uh, some murmurs and whispers of like what this means for uh, for Tom Holland mm-hmm. in the future of the MCU. Um, I still don't think they're gonna do that. Uh, the bridging and the crossover of the Fox characters and the Disney characters. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I guess I'm gonna. The caveat is, I don't think that was. Well, no, because the, the Peters casting happened before this all started. Yeah. Um, unless something changed, I, I still don't think that's what their goal was. I think they still want to keep them separate. Um, still hasn't changed. It will be interesting, though. But this is a cool move. I mean, I, I for one, have grown to love Doctor Strange. I think, Ryan, you're on that b- boat with me, right? Like, every time oh, I watch yeah. Doctor Strange, I like it more and more, and it keeps going on my list. So this is cool stuff. Uh, n- last two bits of news. Leo kind of hinted at it before. Souls moving to a Christmas Day release on Disney Plus. I love this because now we have a Disney uh, uh, movie to watch on Christmas Day, and it's tradition I have. So this is my pick to win the Oscar for best animated feature. So I'm glad to be able to watch it on Disney Plus. Uh, any thoughts on that, Leo and Ray? Uh, I, I dig it. I love it. I, that's. It's, it's, I think it's just showing like just adapting on the spot, right? Making the best of a really difficult situation. And the timing is perfect. I've heard really good things about Soul and the cast. It's it's a really really fantastic way to like uh, honestly, like you said, like you have a tradition that you want to continue, right? And this might be the best compromise of that tradition. And honestly, I think other families are gonna j- jump on jump on board. And I think as a sports fans, we need it more now than ever because we don't have NBA basketball on Christmas Day this year. So <laughs> anything anything extra is gonna be awesome. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts? No, it's awesome. It's a good move. Awesome. All right, cool. And then last bit of news, I I wanted to just shout out the Mank trailer because I I I can't wait. It's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I can't wait. It's for anyone that's unaware, Mank is the David Fincher Netflix film that I have predicted to win Best Picture since February of this year when I did my first round of predictions, and it looks like. It's going to be in big content, a big contender this year. So it looks beautiful. Cinematography looks amazing. If you are a David Fincher fan, I think this is going to be right up your alley. If you're not, I think do a little bit of research on Citizen Kane and all the trouble with making that movie. And I think it may it may uh, pique your interest. All right, cool. So let's get on to Elm Street. Uh, I wanted to do this this year because we kind of did it in passing. And we didn't really dive deep a few years back on these franchises. And I think this is like a good idea to really do research, really dive into some of these franchises. And I figured let's do the big three, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween. So I actually want to kick it off with Ryan. Because, Ryan, this is kind of the first time you kind of dived into all of these, right? 
Yeah, I've seen like the remake and the original a couple times, but never the. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. So. I'm so sorry you had to watch that <laughs> remake. Uh, was it a fun experience? Where were they too hyped from like everyone in this world that has seen it? Um, I like three, and we'll get to the rest when we get to them. All right, awesome. And then Leo, you've seen them before, right? Yeah, my my story, and it's, it's you're gonna definitely whoop at this, but uh, well, for me it was I stayed away from any horror franchise really because I, I was just so little, and I'm like I I, didn't, I, didn't, I was gonna be scared. Freddy freaked me out. Michael Myers, Jason, but when I heard that for some reason Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees were gonna be mashed together in the cinematic experience of Freddy versus Jason. I was like, you know what? I think I want to watch both franchises just so I know what this whole thing is about. So I that was like possibly my first cinematic universe binging was all the Nightmare on Elm Street and then all the um, Friday the 13th. I uh, I was so excited. And we're going to get to it a little later. I, I was so excited for Freddy versus Jason. So, But yeah, well, we're going to dive into that later. We're going to do things a little different since we're going movie by movie here. Not going to do... T- all these, all the categories you usually do. I'm just gonna go through um, some of the info about the release date, the budget, the box office, and a little bit about the cast. And then we'll, I have some facts, and then we'll just move on from there. So, Nightmare on Elm Street released on November 9th, 1984, with a budget of 1.8 million dollars, and it made 57 million dollars at the box office. So, some of Freddy's friends in this specific movie, uh, John Saxon played uh, Nancy's father, Ronnie. Blakely played Nancy's mom. Heather Langenkamp played Nancy. Amanda Weiss played Tina. Uh, Hugh Garcia played Ron Lane. Johnny Depp played Glenn. And then Robert Englund played Freddy Krueger. Rye, what did you think of the first one? I dug it a lot. Yes. It's, yeah, right. it, it's my... It's my number four favorite horror film of all time. So I, I adore this movie. Uh, Leo, what do you think of the first one? I freaking loved it. It's like, yeah, I think after I finally, I remember when I first watched it, I was like, oh, wow, this wasn't, I mean, it was scary. It was dark. It was super, super gruesome, particularly like Tina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but it was still one of those things where I'm like, I was hooked. I wanted to know more. Yeah, I loved it. I personally, yeah, I, I saw this for the first time, I think, um, 1997, 98. I will say through the next couple of weeks, USA Network is going to be mentioned a lot because I saw most of these on USA Network for the first nice. time. And obviously it was edited. So when I bought, I bought like all of them on VHS and I was able to see them, uh, unedited. The Tina death is insane when you watch it for the first time. Uh, fun fact, like the whole, and we're going to get into some killer facts that I have here for the movie in a second, but Johnny Depp playing the, pretty much jock in the movie how do you think he did because it, it's a very different it's his first movie but it was just his first movie, yeah. even the his mm-hmm. look doesn't really feel like a 1980s jock no he was like a 1980s pretty boy trying to be a bad boy <laughs> yeah it's funny exactly you could re- reverse the roles and rod could be the glenn character because he looks more of a jock than than johnny depp does so it was funny that they were able to do that and it worked west craven killed it with that so i'm gonna get into some quick facts about nightmare one so west craven first came up with the basic idea for the movie from a series of articles in the la times over a three-year period it's about a group of southeast asian refugees from the himong tribe several who died in the in in their dreams 
pretty much they died when they went to sleep. The group had come to the U.S. to escape the murderous reign of Pol Pot, and within a year of arriving, three men had died in similar situations. Um, they were all healthy. They were refused to sleep, and when they actually fell asleep, they were they woke up and they were dead. So it's technically this is based on a true story. Uh, next up here, I have New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy because of Nightmare on Elm Street and nice. the success of the film. They jokingly started naming New Line Cinema the house that Freddie built. So, <laughs> Ryan, you should start hating Nightmare on Elm Street because of Nightmare on Elm Street. We got Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings is the New Line Cinema property. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But we also got Ninja Turtles. That is okay, true. It's redeemable. <laughs> <laughs> This we're going to get into in the last one and something that I'm very, really, really, really passionate about what I hate about the last one. So in the original script, Freddy was a child molester. However, the decision was made to change him into a child murderer to avoid accusation of exploiting a series of child molestation in California's around a time of production. That was rewritten for the um, for the remake, which he was a child molester. And I, I don't. I don't think that's necessary. I don't know if you guys agree. I like the fact that, you know, killing kids is awful. Anyway, why do you have to add that extra layer to it? I don't know what you guys think, uh, Rye. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, it's funny because when I rewatched for here, I thought the child, spoiler, I thought the child molestation was a small part and they made a huge part of the remake. I'm like, really? It's so unfucking necessary. Agree. Leo, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you both. Um, I think that, and like, if you really, if, and if you watch part one on its own, like just Nightmare on Elm Street one, like it's, it's, like his origin is definitely a part of it, but it's not crucial to understanding the movie. And then if you really want to get into that, then you really have to, like, it's more, it's more necessary to get into, like, his history in Dream Warriors, Dream Master, and then um, Freddy's Dead, and, and Final Nightmare. But yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. I'm glad you guys are on the same boat with me on that one. Uh, next up, the inspiration for the character of Freddy came from several sources in Wes Craven's childhood. Freddy Krueger, Fred Krueger was a schoolmate of his with whom he had shared a paper route and who had bullied him for several years. In his other film, Last House on the Left, Craven also uses experiences as inspiration, calling the villain, the villain Krug. Freddy's appearance uh, was inspired by a hobo whom Craven saw staring at him through his window one day when he was 10, which is pretty, pretty sick. I just like that everything seems to be based on something. I mean, it's all an original idea per se, but like at least there was inspiration for everything. Uh, I always love casting what ifs. For the role of Glenn, I'm going to save this one for last. Charlie Sheen was in consideration. John Cusack was in consideration. Brad Pitt was in consideration. Kiefer Sutherland was in consideration. C. Thomas Howell was in consideration. And Leo's favorite actor, Nicolas Cage, was in consideration. Oh, yes! <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. I, I, I don't even know how, uh, <laughs> how ridiculous he would have been. Can you imagine like like him overacting when he goes into the blood when like uh when Freddy kills him in the blood? Wow. In the I bed? Just, that would have been fantastic. It would have been a comedy. This would have been a comedy <laughs> Horror comedy, I love it. Other casting what ifs, uh Ralph Macchio was considered to play Rod. Eh. Well, you've been happy to watch him die, right? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't consider Rod a villain. So seeing Daniel LaRusso get chopped up by Freddy Krueger, it would have been kind of wonderful to see. 
Um, in the last two, in the original script, the movie ended happily. Nancy kills Kruger by ceasing to believe in him, exactly what we saw in the movie, then awakens to discover that everything that happened in the movie was a, was an elongated nightmare. She says, says, that, says goodbye to her parents, to her mom, and then drives away with her friends. So it was Robert Shea, the studio, getting in the way again, who said, nah, we want to change his ending and make it where Freddy grabs the her mom. Which, by the way, on Blu-ray does not age well at all. <laughs> I don't know oh, if you... Really? It looks so, so bad. Mm-hmm. I kind of saw this... Kind of went through the same thing watching Nightmare uh, Friday the 13th because some of the deaths on there, while amazing, do not uh, look well. Um... Next up and last one, the film along with the rest of the sequels, uh, Sans West Kramer's You Nightmare and Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 take place within the same universe as Friday the 13th. All right. Next category I have here is killer graphics, the practical effects used in the film. So I want to, I want to talk about two different, two, actually two or three different things here. Glenn's death. For the Blood Geyser sequence where Glenn is killed, the filmmakers used the same revolving room set that was used for Tina's death. They put the set so it was upside down and attached to the camera so it looked like the room was right side up. Then they poured gallons of red water into the room by pumping it down through the bed. The room itself was to be turned as the blood flowed and it was turned in the wrong direction. So instead of the blood gushing out, then splashing down the walls, it gushed out of the bed and out of the room through the open door, which is what we ended up seeing. Right on. My thing is, it's like, how original is that? And how the use of practical effects makes something so much better because we're going to get to it with the remake. There's a specific scene, and this isn't in practical effects, but something I wanted to touch on. Do you guys remember where Freddy, Nancy's in bed, and Freddy hovers over the bed through the wall? I love that scene, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite shots in the movie, and the way it was used, that's like a, like a, a, a plas- like a leathery texture that they had Robert go through. And how much better does that look so simplistic as opposed to that CGI garbage that we got in the in the remake? Mm-hmm. Um, next up, the scene of Tina tra- uh, thrashing across the ceiling was a shot used on a, the rotation room, rotating room set. Compared to the remake, how, how much better is this one, guys? <laughs> Tina's death on here. Much better. Yeah. Uh, and then last one, according to Heather Langenkamp, the the melting staircase scene was shot using pancake mix. Oh, I, I I'm fucking terrible. It actually looked delicious. <laughs> I th- I thought Maybe it. You were just hungry. <laughs> I thought it was. I actually thought it was like uh, ice cream or like whipped cream or something when I first saw it. So it it, it looked pretty delicious. All right, next category: Freddy's finest. What is your favorite kill of the movie? I'll start with you, Roy. Or Leo, what's your okay, favorite uh, color of the movie? Mine absolutely is Tina. Really? Okay, cool, awesome. I, I'm glad that we're gonna be we're gonna differ a little bit here. It's crazy because uh, before we move on to ride, like that Tina death is so memorable because it's the first. Exactly. And, that's and it, exactly it. Yeah. And it's nothing we had seen before in a horror movie. So yeah, I, think that, I think that's exactly it. Like, and don't get me wrong, there's so many iconic deaths in it, mm-hmm. but like when I saw the Tina death, it was like, whoa. Like, this wasn't like you fall asleep and you just die in your dream. This is, like, visually visceral. Absolutely. Like, Whoa. And I I love that he takes his time with her. Like, yeah. he, he stalks her. He jokes around with her before he kills her. It, it's 
pretty. We sound so morbid right now, but it's like, so great. <laughs> We're all genuinely enjoying this way too Absolutely. Much. <laughs> We're going to get questions about, like, from our friends, like, is there something that you guys are thinking about doing here? <laughs> uh, Rye, what's your favorite death in the film or kill? I agree with Leo. Uh, definitely Tina. So for me, I actually went with Glenn. Okay. I just, I mean, oh, they're bo- there's so many iconic ones, like Leo said, but that one, that one just always got me. And now, r- when I did my research and reading how it actually happened, it's even more impressive. They both are super impressive, but uh, I just always like this the shot of the blood coming out of the bed. I thought that's fantastic. Uh, I'm curious for this one, best in show, who's Icebox Icebox Award? Who's the best in show? Who's best performance in the movie? Who do you think it is? Right. Uh, I gave MVP to uh. Uh, Robert England. Yep. Uh, Leo, who do you go with? Ditto. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Same with me. I will say this is... He gets a lot darker in the next one. Yeah. And I, I, but I think I want Robert England as well. And then a fun question that I'm going to ask after every single one of this movie for you guys. Does Freddy survive this movie the way they killed him? Not knowing if this is... You're in the theater 1984 and then you finish watching the movie... Does Freddy survive in your mind, Ryan? Uh, it's tough knowing, already knowing. 2020 uh, hindsight, yeah. Taking away 2020 hindsight, does Freddy survive? Uh, just knowing, I'm going to say yeah. Okay. What about you, Leo? Yeah, I think the, the just like the, the weird pseudoscience that we use to explain bringing him out of the dream into the real world, I'm like, I think it left it ambiguously enough where you can't feel comfortable that he's definitely dead. So I went with, uh, yes, he does survive just because of the final shot, yeah. which which kills me because I, I it's one of the things I really hate in horror movies when they have, like Halloween did it perfectly, and then Nightmare on Elm Street is a perfect movie until that last scene. Because I really, I really don't like that scene at all. But yeah, I, I think it survives as well. And then yeah, Nightmare pretty much. Nightmare on Elm Street pretty much started a huge franchise. Wes Craven did not want to do a sequel, and you know how it goes with franchises. We definitely got one, and that brings us to Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two: Freddy's Revenge, which is my opinion, and I, I hope you guys agree with me, is the most underrated of the entire franchise. Absolutely agree with you. Yeah, uh, it came on November first, nineteen eighty-five, and money-wise, g- guesstimate. Do you guys think it made more money than Nightmare One or less? less. I think it made, I want to say more, because I think like people loved one so much that they were excited to see the part two. So, it, a budget of three million, it made thirty million only. Wow! But I personally think it's fantastic. We're getting into it right now. Uh, Freddie's friends in this one, Mark Patton playing Jesse. Uh, poor man's Meryl Streep, Kim Myers playing Lisa Weber. You did. I, I hope that I wasn't the only one that noticed that, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Just fantastic. making sure. Uh, Robert Rusler playing Ron and then Robert Englund playing Freddie. Those are the ones that I wanted to highlight. So overall thoughts on the movie, Ryan. Jesse sucked. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I why not... did you, no, I hate Jesse you for that. Oh, I, I got excited you. when I thought he died to be before Grady. To be completely honest, I, um, I well, we're gonna talk in a few about that. Go ahead. I hate that they took him out of the dream world. Like I, I, I just did not dig too. To be completely honest with you. Oh my God, Leo, thoughts. So just to, you're right, Dave. It is underrated, but like like Rye said, I. 
I was disappointed too. Like, I, this was not what I wanted in a sequel. I remember when I was like binging through them all, I was like, what the heck? I'm like, what happened to Nancy? What happened to, to what happened to that whole like that whole world? I'm like, this is like a bummer. Um, now, as far as like later on in rewatches, I appreciated it a little bit more, but I agree totally with Ryan. Uh, yeah. So I, I um, I'm one of those that I guess I didn't really like it as much. Uh, the first time I saw it for that same reason, it was after the first watch. Every watch after the first one has progressively grown on me, but. I actually like Jesse from the start. I actually didn't have a problem with him. I I think where we're going, and I don't want to spoil where this conversation is about to go, um, the movie does a lot. And Freddy is, I think this is the darkest Freddy is, to be completely honest with you. I, after this one, he turns into the Freddy we kind Joker. of, yeah, the Joker. Yeah. So I think he goes super dark here and it goes in areas that i don't think anyone expected so moving on to some killer facts about the movie new line cinema originally refused to give robert Englund a pay raise and an extra and an extra was cast to play freddy at the start of production after two weeks of filming robert shea realized that it was a terrible decision and they <laughs> met robert Englund's demand demands I, I i got nothing on that it's fucking robert shea and he makes some questionable decisions throughout the entire franchise and one of them was pretty much not giving Wes Craven re- residuals from Nightmare on Elm Street. And that turned into like a whole beef that was eventually taken care of by New Nightmare. We'll get to that a little later. Uh, Michael J. Fox was considered for the role of Jesse. Wow. That would have made them likable. You don't like Jesse either. <laughs> oh, um, what about you, Rye? Do you think it would have made him more likable? Probably. <laughs> so Brad Pitt, John Stamos, and Christian Slater all auditioned for the role of Jesse. Ironic that John Stamos ended up playing a Jesse. <laughs> uh, rather than continue the story of the first film's uh, sole survivor, Nancy, the movie focuses on the new residents of Nancy's old Elm Street house. And joining a grand tradition of horror sequels, which ignore the survivors of the pre- previous installment and continue with new characters. I get that. I understand what you guys are saying, but I get why they moved on because every other horror, horror franchise outside of Halloween kind of just moves on to the next group of people. Yeah. Um, ironic, we talked about Kim Myers before. Kim Myers was cast based on the resemblance to Academy Award winner Meryl Streep. Oh my gosh, really? Is yep. that really fun? Yes, it was. <laughs> but she was a poor man. And I and I think she's she's not bad in the movie, but it's just, dude. Like I watch even when I was a kid and I watch this movie, I'm like, whoa, that really looks like Meryl Streep. Um, the film is famous for having undertones and themes that many perceive as homoerotic, and the events of the film are often seen as allegory for Jesse's closeted homosexuality. Uh, when the makers of the film initially denied that the subtext was intentional, screenwriter David Chaskin eventually admitted that the subtext was intentionally written into the script in order to give the characters more more depth. Now, um, that's all good and all that, but Mark Patton was closeted at the time. He was he had not come out as gay at the time, so that led to a lot of tension that is covered in the scream queen and i highly it's on shutter right now i highly recommend it where mark Patton talks about everything he dealt with through the making this movie it's incredibly detailed i highly recommend it. it's one of the, my favorite documentaries that i've seen in recent years uh because it touches about gay culture in the 1980s what he went through and how they eventually got to a point where he could actually talk to david chaskin about everything that 
he experienced on set. So it's really, really solid stuff. Uh, critics also, and the last fact, critics have also read this as an AIDS-era homophobic gay panic movie with the hero's sexual identity crisis being played out as sexually. Deviant Freddy tries to take over the hero's body and make him do sinister things. Eventually, the curse is lifted by the kiss of a woman. Again, very, you know, homophobic tropes. Huh. Yeah. There, there, that, there, went over, that went over my head. I'm really? Lie, yeah. Like, totally over my head. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Yeah. It is It is very, like, there are scenes in, um, you know, the song, the, the scene where he's doing that dance before Kim Myers comes in in his, in his bedroom? Yeah. So yeah. that scene, they actually play at gay bars now, too. Mark Patton talks about that in the documentary. It is, yeah, it's very full with uh, homoerotic subtext. Uh, film commentators, and this is just like on that specific topic, film commentators have often remarked of the film's perceived homoerotic theme, claiming that subtext suggests Jesse is a repressed homosexual, as I mentioned before. Um, the scenes where he counters his gym teacher at a gay bar and his and his flight to be a, um, a, male, a male friend's house after he attempts to make out with Kim Myers. So there's a lot of subtext in there. Uh, the book Welcome to Our Nightmares Behind the Scene with Today's Horror Actor elaborates on the film's homoerotic subtext. The film suggested an undertone of homosexuality, starring with the protagonist's gender-neutral name, Jesse. Rarely fully clothed, he and Tormentor have a sweaty wrestling man- match. His coach, clad in leather, basically hits on him at a gay bar, then gets killed by Freddy, including a bare-ass spanking. Freddy emerges from Jesse's stomach in the same forced birth technique that made the Aliens films legendary. Um... And then Mark Penn has gone on record saying that the gay subtext was increasingly emphasized through a script, just through script rewrites and production as production progressed. He, he was quoted as saying it became undeniable, undeniable that the script was being rewritten to add more uh, gay subtext to the film. Huh. Yeah, it's there's oh, I, I have more. Um, Robert Englund in 2010 stated the second nightmare on elm street was is obviously intended as a bisexual themed film it was early 1980s pre-age paranoia jesse wrestling whether to come out or not and his own sexual desires was manifested by freddie his friend is the object of his affection that's all there in the film we did it subtly but it's there wow yeah this is um a lot of the reason why like the film's grown on me is because like it sucks of the way it happened with them not knowing about mark Patton, but the fact that it's there, it's very, it's a, it's, it changes your mindset on the whole movie. I think. Appreciate it more. Definitely appreciate it more. Yeah. Um, and to finish up on that subject, the rest of the cast and crew have said that they were unaware of uh, outside of Mark Pan of any such themes at the time that they made the film. But the series series of creative decisions on the part of the director, Jack shoulder unintentionally brought Chaskin's themes to the forefront. Uh, so, in, in 2019, Pan produced the documentary Screen Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, which focuses on the legacy of Freddy's revenge and how it affected him as a person and an actor. He, does, I, he doesn't act that much more after this, to be honest. So he pretty much, he was a big name before this. And then after this, kind of, it didn't ruin his career per se, but he didn't really do much after this. So, yeah, so I wanted to touch on that just to give you guys a little bit of a, a contextual reason as to why this is considered the gay nightmare uh killer graphics effects in the film i really like the um, the one where he comes out of jesse's stomach that's my favorite effect of the movie Mm -hmm. 
I think um, I saw that even like in watching it now that actually comes out comes out really really good. I like that a lot. Uh, any anything that stands out for you guys, Ryan? Um, this the whole no, not. <laughs> I think I think I shut Ryan up with everything I had said before. He's like, oh, I don't know what to say now. Uh, yeah, what about? I went from hating the movie to now just digging it a little bit more. Yeah, I th- I think you should give it another shot, and then especially watch that documentary. You have you'll change your mind completely on it. Uh, Leo, what about you? Any other effects outside the stomach? Uh, you know what? I, I particularly I love the um the people boiling alive in the swimming pool. Of course you um, do. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was cool. I just yeah, no, like I. I like that. Actually, um, I know you guys don't like that it's not completely in the dreams, but it, isn't that scene badass? Because Freddy just goes apeshit in that scene. Well, that's so. That's exactly what I liked about it. Is like because the, the the fact that I love about the dream world is that it's no rules, right? Freddy can get away with whatever he wants to get out and do. So, like when you bring him out into the real world, sometimes that gets taken away. But like in that whole instance of that party scene, like he's still displaying supernatural powers, and it's like really freaking awesome <laughs> let me ask you um best kill in the film because of this stu- of jesse of freddie coming out of jesse's stomach I actually went with grady i don't know that's if you guys mine. have you too that's mine absolutely mine yeah what about you right what would what you have here um best kill was a he won't hurt you guy he just slices him and just tosses him i just love that what an <laughs> idiot though i'm there watching it i'm like shut the fuck up man i'm like good good for you freddy good for you <laughs> this we definitely won't agree on but who is the best in the show who's the mvp i actually went with mark Patton because i thought he was pretty solid in the movie especially with everything that i mentioned before what about you I right with, with ron grady ron grady all right what about you right i stuck with freddy you can't do Freddy every single movie, right? I mean, you can. You kind of can. <laughs> now, this one's a little easier, I think, for me. Does Freddy survive this one, right? Yes. Leo? Yes. Yeah, this one for me, yes. That was, this was even easier than the first one. All right, so after that, we move on to Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Woo! With- <laughs> which was released on February 27, 1987. With- it cost $4.6 million. And now, question comes up again. Did this movie make more or less than Nightmare 1 and 2? I'm going to say more. What about you, Leo? Yeah, because this, this is the redemption movie. This is like, it's back, baby. This is more. <laughs> so, Nightmare on Elm Street made $44 million. So, yes, it made more than Part 2. <laughs> so, in terms of Freddy's friends in this one, Heather Langenkamp is back. Uh, poor man Bill Maher is here. Craig Watson is Neil Gordon. <laughs> uh, we have Patricia Arquette as Christian Parker. Robert Englund's back. My favorite of the bunch of the Dream Warriors. Ken Sagoz as Kincaid. Fucking love Kincaid. Uh, Rondi, Rodney Eastman as Joey. Jennifer Rubin as Taryn. Um, and Lawrence fucking Fishburne is in this movie. Yay! As Larry Fishburne. As Larry Fishburne, yes. And then Bradley Gregg is Philip. So before we get into the facts, overall thoughts on the movie, Ryan, go ahead. M- much better than two. Really dug it. Leo, what about you? I told you, it's, like, it's back. It's like, I, I, know, <laughs> I know you mentioned that franchises in horror don't keep like continuity of like their people very often, but seeing everybody back together, 
I'm like, this is what I wanted out of part two. So this is like Avengers for you, right? When they get in that circle and the end of, at the end of <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah Freddie Freddy is a very thin Thanos. Exactly. Um, I lo- I love it. It's um, we'll get to a spoiler, but it's in my top three of the franchise when we rank them later. Yeah, I I love Dream Warriors. I just love the fact, and I talked about it in my review of New Mutants. I just like the fact of like these kids coming together joining forces, becoming the Avengers, and taking down, I mean, Thanos, I mean, Freddy, and <laughs> and most of them not living to tell that story, but I just love that aspect of it. It's kind of Stranger Things before Stranger Things. Very Stranger Things. That's a great call out. Because it's one of those um, where you have these a little older kids, because I, I would say they're supposed to be teens, but they're cast in their 20s, and Stranger Things actually cast kids, but it's kind of like that's kind of how I feel and serve the, the the themes of it. Now, some killer facts about this movie. This change this is going to change everything in terms of wow, where this movie was going to go. The original premise of the film involved Freddy invading the real world and haunting the actors and crew responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street films. This idea was rejected by the studio, though Wes Craven later used it for Wes Craven's new nightmare. Uh, this is just more fun fact. Robert Englund admits that he knew Patricia Arquette would go on to be a big star one day. He also explains how all the guys in the set were head over heels in love with her. <laughs> Between takes, some of them would even go to Robert Englund to get his advice on whether or not they should uh, push up on her. Wow. The movie was intended to be the last Nightmare movie, and it was shot that way. While the ending of the film suggests that Freddy may not at all be dead a scene in the shooting script makes it clear that it was not the case in the scene dr gordon visits Kristen a few days after freddie's defeat Kristen reveals that she is moving to new york um the city that never sleeps when dr gordon asks her if she is going to see uh see her referring to nancy in her dreams Kristen answers that she dreams of her every night suggesting that nancy guards her dreams and they kind of hint at that uh in the last scene of the movie where the house the light the house turns on uh, what I got out of that final scene where the house turns on is that Nancy's watching over Kristen. I don't know if you guys thought the same thing. Uh, last last three here. In the original script, one of the warriors dream- dreams up a giant Transformer-style robot to fight Freddy. The sequence even made it to the storyline boards, but it cost too much to do. So uh, Optimus Prime did not fight Freddy. <laughs> Aww. The song Dream Warriors, which I fucking love, is performed by the actors on the popular uh, Riverdale. One of the main cast members, Skeet Ulrich, who also also starred with David Arquette in Scream. Uh, so that that was a pretty nice callback. And then this is the last one. The script by Wes Craven was darker and contained more graphic language. Kristen had a friendly a friend named Becky who was killed by Freddy before the event of the movie, and Nancy meets in a dream at, before re, before being written out. Also, all the characters were being drawn to the institution from all over the country. Kincaid could fly. <laughs> Joey had super strength. Taryn could become invisible. Will had another name and was a dream wizard. Kristen pulled people into dreams. So essentially, the new mutants is what we have here. A better new mutant. Yes. Uh, and also, uh, NBC, there's anything else? Yeah, so that's pretty much it with the script. Graphics of the movie. I think this one had some killer graphics. I don't know if you guys... Mm-hmm. Uh, would agree there. My favorite one that I wanted to talk about was the puppeteering. Yes. Yeah. Philip. Philip. Yeah. yeah. When he kills him, that's so dope, and it looks so cool. And to see they use, I think they use some form of special effects when he um 
uh, when Freddy's hovering over the moon, I think, or something like that. And yeah, it looks yeah. really, really solid. I really like that kill. Uh, the welcome to prime time, bitch. Welcome to prime time, bitch. That, Absolutely. That fucking scene looks incredible. Uh, and then the Freddy snake. So the fun fact with Freddy Snake was it un- un- unintentionally came out looking too phallic. So the crew had one hour to film the scene and had to paint over it. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. So yeah, that, that's why it looks the way it looks. Uh, it looks so veiny. <laughs> and then special uh, effects creator Mark Shorstrom created the, uh, the little girl co- corpse, which Kristen would discover. Uh, she was holding, but it was decided that the item was too grotesque. A miniature skeleton was used instead. Hmm. All right, so Freddy's finest, best kill in the movie. Leo, you went with the puppet death. Yeah, I, I tied it. I tied it. The puppet death looked so cool, and it still like evoked like this cringeworthy of like that. Like, how would it feel if that really happened? But I love Taryn, bro. The freaking the yes. syringes. Yes. I I agree. Um, I actually for this one because this is um, the one that kind of starts it. I added for myself for best kill. I actually went with uh, "Welcome to Prime Time, Bitch." But quote, what's your favorite quote from this movie? "Welcome to Prime Bo- Time, Bitch," or do you have another one? Ooh, I think "Welcome to Prime Time" for me. What about you, Rye? Favorite kill and Prime favorite time. quote. What about kill? Um, kill. I'm also tied with. Bill's drop death and Jennifer's TV death. Awesome. And then MVP of the film, I went with Heather Langenkamp. I think she's fantastic in this film. Right. You actually went with someone else. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. What about you, Leo? Who'd you go with here? So on this one, I even though Heather does really, really well, I think Heather maybe I think Heather does better in another movie later on. Okay. I, I went Robert Unglund because this is the part of the of, of the Freddy franchise where now he gets super freaking awesome quippy. MTV Freddy. He becomes MTV Freddy here. And then last question before we move on to the Dream Master. Does Freddy survive this one? Yes or no? Rye. Yes. Yeah, this one I, I think so too. Leo, what about you? Yeah, same. Yeah. I, I didn't see the light as it being Heather. I thought the light was actually Freddy. Interesting. I, I figured because it was Nancy's house, that's why I went that I thought it was Nancy watching over her. I do like the uh the fact that she's reunited with her father not drunk at the end of the movie. I think that's uh, really that's yeah. really solid stuff. Alright. Next up, Dream Master. I uh I'm gonna say this is when things start changing a little bit for the franchise. I don't know if you guys would agree there. <laughs> Box office, the movie cost Six point five million to make. Rye, how much money did it make? More uh, or less? Less. Leo. Yeah, less. Nope. Forty nine point four million dollars. Wow. Yep. Wow. So I I don't think this one has a substantial drop off, but you can start seeing that it's not the quality is not as high as it is for uh the other first the first three. Uh, in terms of who's in this one, Robert Englund gets uh, top billing here. Lisa Wilcox is Alice, who I adore. I love Lisa. I mean, Alice. Uh, Danny plays Dan. Tuesday night plays Kristen Parker because of uh, Patricia Arquette did not come back. Ken Segus is back as is playing Kincaid again. And Rodney's back as Joey. Uh, 
Andres Jonas as Rick, and Brooke Thesis as Debbie. So what do you guys think, Ryan? What do you think of part four? May not mean a lot coming from me, but forgettable. <laughs> Damn. I, I, I don't think this franchise is for you, Ryan. I don't think you like that I many. Liked it, I, I mean, I like the first one a lot. <laughs> it's just the sequels, and besides three so far. I'm nervous about your thoughts about Friday the 13th, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, sadly, I won't be able to be on next week. <laughs> Leo, what about you? I, I thought it was good, dude. I thought it continued the storylines that of like exactly my 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 things that I had against part two. I liked about part four. Like I I got to see where everyone was afterwards of the events of part three. Um, it expanded on some characters. I like you. I freaking adore Alice. Yep. I and I, the, yeah. I don't know like if you her. I don't know if you agree, Leo. But like, uh, I think she's better final girl yeah then yep i'm glad we're on the same boat here she's so great uh how much how much do you love her character arc from like the meek like so self-reserved and like not doesn't have any self-confidence to the person we see at the end and i love the fact that they continue it in the next movie because i i don't like dream child that we're getting to that but i just like her story in dream child because now she's dealing with teenage pregnancy even though she's just graduated high school but she has to deal with that and being a single mom and it's like there's so much that she's dealing with there and like you said she's this timid person at the beginning of this one and she's just she take i love that she takes everyone's strengths to take down freddie there's a lot to like in this and uh except ryan just didn't like it at all (laughs) (laughs) not that i didn't like it at all it was just (laughs) <laughs> All right, so some killer facts about this one. This is the highest grossing entry in the entire franchise, not wow. counting Freddy versus Jason, it earned $49 million, as I mentioned before. Uh, Robert Englund's favorite part in the film was the time loop because it seemed like a visual of a dream that keeps repeating itself. I wow. like I like that because we've all been there. Yeah, we have. It's the fact that, you know, I've, I've actually went through it a couple of weeks ago. I had this dream that we were going to New York Comic Con, and it was just like... Oh, <laughs> and then I and and the fact that dream kept repeating itself. I think I went through the same motion of us waiting online all night, and then when I woke up and I realized we're not going to New York Comic Con anymore, it, it. So I definitely see where Robert Englund's coming from there. According to everyone interviewed in, about the movie in the documentary Never Sleep Again, no one actually really knows why Patricia Arquette did not return. But there are a few theories. Ronnie Harlan and Rodney Eastman, who played Joey. In, who plays Joey in the movie stated her agent asked for more money, but New Line Cinema wouldn't agree. It's been said that it was due to Arquette's being pregnant at the time of the filming, but her child was born in January '89. The movie was filmed in early '88, so it's unlikely she never turned for being pregnant because it was the time of filming. So I'm going to say it was one of those money situations because I think I don't think she was that big at the time yet. So it may just be she thought she was her agent thought she was bigger than she was at the time. And that was pretty much it. Uh, not, last couple of facts here. How do you like Tuesday night playing playing her? I thought it was fine. I mean, it definitely made me miss Patricia Arquette, but yeah. I didn't think it was anything like super impactful. I, I honestly, I was so I was so engrossed into like Alice and everybody else. You're like fuck like, everyone okay, else. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, I'm gonna guess you were whatever with her too. Yeah, I was whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so. Everyone on the set was turned off by her because the director had a pair of romantic fling. <laughs> wow. So Tuesday night was pampered on set because of that, and it rubbed the uh, the cast the wrong way. 
So during the production, the writers, director, and producers couldn't figure out how to actually kill Freddy at the end of this movie. Eventually, during a meeting, they discussed all the possible ways uh, to kill a villain or creature in a film, and they ended up where they ended up. That's not good. It's like Avengers, uh, the Russos getting into Endgame and not knowing how they're going to kill Thanos. Yeah, that's very not good. That's messy. <laughs> Ironically, even I don't think anyone, any of us walked into Endgame predicting that it was going to be he was going to turn into dust. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. So last bit of facts. And Friday the 13th suffered through this worse than anybody. The MPEA brutalized the film and a lot of it was edited, oh, edited down. So it wasn't as violent as it was supposed to be. Um, Killer graphics. Special effects here weren't as great, but still pretty solid. What do you think of the effects in the movie, Rai? I dug it. Leo? Uh, yes and no. I, I remember I remember the, during the scene of like the, the Sheila death, like the, the robotic arm looked a little too CGI-y. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was overall cool. I liked it. Yeah, the only death that I really want to touch on is one of the most disgusting deaths in a fucking horror movie is Debbie's death, which leads into my favorite kill in the movie, um, where she turns into the the, the cockroach. Roach, right? yeah. That is disgusting. It still grosses me out to this day. And the practical effects on there were pretty solid. But outside of that, it wasn't one of those to rave about in terms of effects in the movie. Uh, favorite kill for you, Leo? Who is that? Bro, I know it was heartbreaking for you because it was heartbreaking for me, but Kincaid. Oh, man. By the way, I know Kincaid put on a fight, but the fact, the the scene where he dropped the uh, the car on him and he's like, Woo, take that, motherfucker. I died when every time he does it, he's hilarious. I hope to meet him one day because he's super, super great as Kincaid in both of the movies. Rye, what about you? Actually, I went with Freddy's death. I actually dug it. Nice. Interesting. All right. And one thing we haven't touched about, what do you guys think of Freddy's origin story? Oh, it's fine. The the son of a hundred man, faster son of a hundred maniacs. Um, yeah. I, I guess it's fine. What about you, Leo? Another thing they do with it? I don't like where they, I don't know. I can't really, I don't have, I never was passionate about it. I guess I thought they could have gone in a different direction because it kind of makes it seem like if, so, let, you know, God forbid a woman gets raped and she has a kid, they're automatically going to be a bad person because of who, because it wasn't the father that cared for them kind of thing. That's I my agree. only beef with it. What about you, Leo? I, I loved it. I, I think, well, it's funny because you see how, like, the, the evolution of his origin story, right, Ryan? Like, from, like, mm-hmm. in part one, you're like, oh, he's just a, a sick guy that had a thing for, like, for kids. Killing kids. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, wait, but maybe there's more to him. Now it's like a supernatural origin story where, like, his <laughs> his his mother is a nun and she gets raped by a thousand maniacs. So I like, whoa. Do you think, would really you have cool. been on board on a Freddy origin film? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always wanted to know. I, I remember even after I watched the series and, like, all the movies, I went in and I tried doing as much research as I could to see if there was any other ways to, like, learn more about the origin. Yeah. yeah. Uh MVP of the film. Ryan, I know who Leo and I have because we're sane here. So we have Lisa Wilcox. Uh, Alice. You went with Alice too? Oh, good, 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 good. I'm, I'm glad you did. Yeah, Lisa Wilcox is fantastic. I I can't talk so more about her here. Freddie, quote, 
I actually went with here. My favorite quote in the movie is when he, when he, because he killed the rest of the Elm Street kids and he meets a new group of kids and he's like, how sweet, fresh meat. Does Freddy survive? Ryan. This time I went with no. What about you, Leo? I agree with Ryan. Yeah, I thought this was actually the end of it. Because I thought like Alice was substantial enough. It was over. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we went no here. And then we move on to Nightmare on Elm Street. The dream child. Uh. <laughs> Everyone pretty much comes back. We do have a new bunch of kids here. Um... Movie, box office wise, do you think this is the cliff, Leo? Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is the cliff. Eight million budget, twenty-two million box office. I. Wow. That's so, a cliff. <laughs> yeah, that's a cliff. I. I understand where they were going. I just, I don't know. I, there, there wasn't really much. Even the deaths in the movie, outside of Dan, was really po hum for me. Uh, overall thoughts, Ryan. I don't like how Freddy looks in the movie. Oh, and with that, said, with his hand. Just in general, like his face, like they, he looks a little different than he does in the rest of the movies. And I did just there was something different about him. I did not like. Yeah. Um, I love that you that you caught that. That's freaking awesome, Ryan. I love you so much right now for this. It's. It, I, I'm with you, Ryan. Keep going. Keep going. I should have put Wolf. <laughs> I don't know how the sequel got made. <laughs> but it, yeah. Yeah, like I the the fact that Freddy comes back, you know, you have to find some creative way to come for him to come back every movie. I mean the fucking dog pissed on him in part four for him to come back. So um <laughs> I love Robert Englund, but in the documentary, and uh, Robert Englund is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my life. He's engaging. He's very talkative. He loves telling stories, and like we talked for a good five, five, six minutes when I met him. But when he he's on a documentary talking about these are hell's hounds, I'm like Robert, I love you, but no, <laughs> the fucking dog that pissed in a grave. Um, but yeah, going back to Ryan's point, yeah, I don't, I don't like his hand. Like it just looks creepy to me. Uh, Leo, you wanted to touch on that too? No, no, just uh, I, I agree completely. Like the look is, is subtle, right? It's a subtle look, but there's a, there's definitely difference in this in the production of this movie where you, you kind of feel like even production phoned it in. Yeah, I agree. So going into some cat facts about the movie, all the death sequences were cut down significantly in order to avoid an X rating. Dan's original motorcycle death was longer and contained much more gore. So that's why, wow. if you notice, all the deaths in the movie were very quick for the most part because once again the mpa was just like no we're gonna we have to cut this it's just crazy how things look now and some of these deaths would like tv deaths on american horror Story are worse than these totally mm. agree yeah uh, next next fact stephen hopkins was given just four weeks to shoot uh, and further four weeks to edit the film so the movie had to be done in the can and edited in eight weeks and you wonder why we got what we got wow <laughs> This would have been pretty interesting to see. Stephen King and Frank Miller were offered the job of writing and directing the movie. Oh, wow. Now, for anyone that's seen Stephen King direct, probably would have sucked because Maximum Overdrive is not great. But it was just an interesting concept there. Um, if you're this, this is even more crazy. If you're looking at a Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Child poster, you're probably curious what Dream Child meant. And what was going on with the fetus and the crystal ball in Freddy's glove in the poster? 
Well, the people making the film thought the same thing, too, because the poster came out before they actually had a clear idea of what the movie was even about. Nice. That's just genius right there. <laughs> this one is, uh, as a horror fan, as a fan of these three franchises, it would have been it would have been an awesome year. It sucks that these three are the three of the worst in the franchise, but 1989 marks the only year entries of Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street came out the same year. Oh, man. And Nightmare put out this trash to and, go against them? Yeah, it was Nightmare 5, Halloween 5, and as much as I love this movie, it's not good. Friday the 13th, Part 8, part eight Jason Takes Manhattan. And then finally, in the documentary Never Sleep Again, director Stephen Hopkins admitted that he thought Mark's death scene was silly, and that's the comic book death. Uh, he just Aww, so, like which is funny no because we I liked it. I was like, no wonder we liked it then. Because I actually <laughs> did like that death as well. Um, special effects in the movie, I think they're pretty ho hum. Nothing really to praise on this one, outside of maybe Dan's death. Uh, what about what do you think, Roy? No, you're 100 percent right. There wasn't much to really be like, yay. Uh, Leo, what about you? Yeah, same. I, I yeah, the CGI was a cool. Uh, best kill in the movie actually went with the Mar- Mark's death. I like Super Freddy. I think that's cheesy but funny. Uh, what about <laughs> yeah. you, right? Same thing. <laughs> I won't say in comic book guy death. Uh, what about you, Leo? Same thing. Nah, I actually went with Dan. I think Dan's death was pretty cool. Yeah, like, visually it looked pretty cool. Like, yeah, and, and there's not that many highlights other than Dan's death when it comes to the kills. So I'm like, yeah, I agree. I mean, Mark's death is very very cheesy and pretty awful in terms of effects but yeah I, I, I went with the cheese there best in show i went with lisa wilcox again <laughs> totally yeah. yeah uh what about you right uh i went with robert england again of course you did <laughs> if jenny was here she'd probably call you a sexist right now uh, probably <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite quote freddy quote i actually went uh it's a boy what about you right <laughs> i don't have one honestly oh what about you leo you have anything here Know what? No, I can't. I can't. Um, I can't think of the quips uh, from from that one. What? It's a boy is good, but I, I, yeah, I can't. Like, nothing else stands out though. I almost, I almost coughed. That's why I stopped. But I just love the fact when he's like, "It's a boy," and he's like, mm. he has this long. <laughs> mm. It's hilarious. Favorite, does Freddy survive this one? Rye. Uh, yes. Leo. Unfortunately, at this point, I realize they're going to milk this for all it's worth, and yes. Yeah, so with what happens in the next movie, I don't know how they were able to explain that. But yeah, I'll go with, yeah, he survived. Oh, here we go. Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. I hate this movie so much. And something tells me, Leo, that Ryan likes this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, you like this movie, don't you? I like it better than the last one. I'll oh tell you that much. Oh my god, Ryan! <laughs> what? How? <sighs> I dug it. Although I called the twist, I just dug it. So the movie I was into it. The movie budget-wise was eleven million dollars, and it actually made a little money. It made thirty-four point nine million dollars. It made thirty-four. Yep, thirty-four. I. I guess- because people just thought that this was definitely if it's called the final nightmare it has to be the last movie. yeah <laughs> and the intention was for this to be the last one and they kind of do end it with it being the last one um i, I there's not much i like about this movie there's the fact that 
Lisa Zane plays. Fun fact: Do you know who Lisa Zane is related to? Sammy Zane? No, not Sammy Zane. <laughs> Leo? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Billy Zane. That is B- Billy Zane's sister. Okay. So the fact that he, she's her daughter. I, like you said, Rye, you saw the twist coming, right? Mm-hmm. The first time I saw this movie was on Showtime, and I didn't understand it. I don't understand why Elm Street was or or um was like destroyed. I don't understand like why Freddy's like alive after or how he's like the Wicked Witch of the West. I don't understand anything that was going on, and no one's likable in this movie. I don't like anybody in this movie. Lisa Zane's okay, but there's really no one likable in this movie. There's and I just hate the ending too. So, uh, Leo, help me. You you hate this movie as well, right? Uh, yeah, dude. It was such a buzzkill. This was so anticlimactic. Because I mean, it's, it's Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. And I was like, oh my gosh, finally, like a really like imagine, like we had Alice, we had Heather, like we had really awesome protagonists, and they were they were strong. And then this, yeah, it's like. It was a letdown. Um, I, I will disagree that there were some likable characters. I okay. particularly, I think I liked Carlos just because he was Hispanic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he went out so bad, though. Like, I felt so bad for him because. Oh, I, yeah. That was fantastic, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a great death. Um, all right. Cool. So some facts about this one. Peter Jackson wrote a screenplay for Freddy's Dead. Which I fucking loved. So his original screenplay saw Freddy aging and growing weak within the dream world. The teens of Springwood would actually get drug-fueled slumber parties for kicks and enter the dream world to pick on Freddy. That sounds awesome! Right? That sounds so fucking great. And it kind of gives Freddy, like, when Freddy finally does come back and gets the, the power to kill someone... It gives him more reason to because these kids have been bullying him for years. Pretty fucking awesome. Uh, according to Alice Cooper in Never Sleep Again, he stated that he gets asked to be in films all the time, but he they always want him in makeup. He agreed to be in this film not only because he was a fan of the franchise, but he could also play Freddy's father. How do you like Alice Cooper as Freddy's dad? I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I, I think just just seeing him, and then I'm not a huge like uh like a, a musician fan either so like it wasn't like he but like his face just looks perfect for this role by the way uh, ryan any thoughts on that uh no cool by the way this kind of contri- completely destroys the son of a hundred bastard son of a hundred maniacs this whole yeah. movie so i don't know about you guys but so this whole movie i treat like it's out of canon like even the name, if the name is not Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't count it as part of canon. So I don't really think this movie happened. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's so bad. John Doe died from before his identity could be discovered. Hit the original plan of the movie that he was supposed to be Jacob, Alice's son. In the original, one of the original scripts of Freddy's Dead, Alice was killed, and Jacob became the main protagonist of the film. I just hate the fact that alice dies so i hate that idea yeah you better have given her an awesome death if if you're gonna kill her off seriously uh although the original script with jacob as i mentioned before was scrapped there are a few key elements which are still retained the most notable was that jacob was killed two-thirds into the film leaving his girlfriend to take the reins similar to john doe being killed and then lisa zane takes the reins and then the producers were planning a spin-off film where Freddy Krueger's spirit possesses the body of his daughter. 
sure, why not, man? Why not? Uh, and then killer graphics. How'd you like the effects of this film? Rye. Meh. <laughs> yeah, I am with you. Leo, what about you? Yeah, that's, that's pretty standard. Nothing crazy, nothing fantastic. Favorite death? I mean, there's not really many to go through here. I went with Ricky Dean Logan. Carlos's death. That's where I went there. Uh, Rye, where do you go? I went with the death that you, the one that you don't really see on camera. It reminded me of the Scarface death a little bit. Like you felt the effect of it. Like I think I think it was with a pencil or something where this I think his uh, throat got cut. You just saw a little bit of the blood splatter. Yep, like that. What about you, Leo? Yeah, so it's actually funny. I I I hold the Carlos death like in my top five of the franchise. Really like, interesting. I, I thought the way he tortures him is like incredibly mean. Um. <laughs> And like you see him like joking around behind him, just like I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like uh, yeah, I, I love it. But yeah, that's my favorite death is the Carlos hearing aid. Yeah, awesome. Uh, best in show MVP of the film. This one I want Robert Englund. I don't really think anyone else was that great on there. Uh, Ryan, who do you go with? I actually went with Tracy. I thought she was a badass. Interesting. All right. What about you, Leo? Yeah, I went with Freddie. Yeah, just this- yeah. Best quote. I actually have one here. Uh, well, what do you know? I beat my high score. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, it's so out of fucking left field. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, Leo, you have anyone? So it's it's a similar scene. I'm like, hey, you forgot the power glove. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a fucking Nintendo infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I right. don't have anything, sadly. And you like this Sorry, movie. I did. I just couldn't think. I didn't pick a quote. Well, I'll go with you guys. Though. I did enjoy those. All right. And finally, does Freddy survive? No. Yeah, this one I went with no because they literally sent him to hell. So I, I, I got nothing. And they did an RIP at the end of the credits. Yep, they did. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I don't know if you guys went through that those credits. I actually do like the, um, the end credit scene when they go through all the movies and they do the RIP I- at the end. I love that. Dude, I loved it. It was like such an homage to like you putting up with the whole franchise. I loved it. I dug it so much. Yeah, it was actually my favorite part of the movie. The, <laughs> credits. <laughs> the credits. All right, so finally we get to the last nightmare before we get to the bit the, the matchup of all matchups. Uh Wes Craven's you nightmare. Thoughts on the film. Ryan, if you say you hate this movie, I'm gonna <laughs> fucking hang up on you. No, I dug it. Are you sure? I don't you don't yeah. sound so confident there. No, I really don't. <laughs> what do you want me to scream it from the top of my lungs? Damn no, right. I really don't. I want you to go to a, go to a, a little park, and I want you to climb to the top like Dylan did in this movie, and I want you to do that. Uh, Leah, what do you think of New Nightmare? I freaking adore this movie. New Nightmare, I thought was like it was a really good reboot or re. I guess I don't even know which one it is at this point. But um, yeah, I liked it. I think that um, like Heather Langenkamp matured so much from part from the first movie. I think the the the, the new the new visual of Freddy looks really really good and darker. Even though it is still Robert Unglund, I didn't know it was Robert Unglund. I yeah, I do like the um, the real life aspect of it. It's funny that he did this and then he did Scream. He kind of knew what he was doing in terms of West is going to change the horror genre because this and scream back to back is pretty much opening the world it's breaking the fourth wall on the horror genre which is great uh money wise do you think this got do you think this made money i i hope it did i really really hope it did unfortunately it did not 
No. Did it make more than the final nightmare? What do you think? I'm gonna say no. It only made nineteen million. <laughs> oh the crap. Yeah, it's it's I I I understand for certain fan bases that thought Freddy's Nightmare let me down. Final Nightmare let me down, so I'm not even going to bother with this. But Wes Craven being back, directing and writing, you should have had hope. That's why I think it didn't make any money. But, um, yeah, made no money and released on October 14th, 1994, which is a great release date. Uh, In terms of facts, the events of the film revolve around Heather Langenkamp having a stalker. In real life, she did have a stalker, and Wes Craven got her permission to weave it into the storyline. Uh, director Wes Craven had attended to ask Johnny Depp to make an appearance in the funeral scene where Heather's a husband died, but he was too nervous to ask Johnny Depp because by then Johnny Depp was fucking huge. Uh, fast forward a few years, Johnny Depp said that he would have been he would have absolutely done it if asked. Uh, Wasn't he in it real quick? No, he's no, he, he, was in, uh, huh. he, he was in Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the main. The main cast of the original was in it, except uh, Johnny. He was the only one from the original that I didn't see in that funeral scene. Uh, Before making the movie, Wes Craven watched all the Nightmare on Elm Street because his original plan was to make a sequel. But him watching all of it, he decided to scrap it because he felt there was no fucking possible way to put everything together. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, this is a mess. I can't do this. (laughs) Which turned out okay because I think this idea was a lot better. Um... Wes Craven was looking to get specific reaction from Miko Hughes, who played Dylan, and his parents said that there was no way to make him cry. This is so wonderful. So his mother let left the set, and his father whispered in Miko's ear, your mother's dead. What? <laughs> Fantastic. Damn. Fantastic. Uh, Julie. It's worse the- than Stephen King's stuff. Oh, no, yeah. than Stanley Kubrick's stuff. Yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. Uh, and you know who Miko Hughes is, right? He is in Pet Cemetery. He's a little boy in Pet Cemetery as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he was uh, he was on um on Full, Full House. House. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Julie, the babysitter, Winona Ryder and Drew Barrymore were both considered for the role. Oh wow! I think by then Winona was too big. Ironic, Drew. He used Drew in Scream. So, and then finally, the death of Heather's husband largely came due to concerns that Freddie simply wasn't killing enough people in the screenplay. So her husband was not originally supposed to die. Mm. Yep. Uh, written under the working title Nightmare on Elm Street 7, The Ascension, Wes Craven set out to make a deliberately more cerebral film than recent entries. That's why Freddy looks the way he does. Because I, I love, love I love the new mm-hmm. look. I absolutely I love it. Um, Bob Shea and Wes Craven squashed their beef to actually make this film happen because of what I mentioned before with the uh, residuals to the original film. Uh, ah nice killer graphics special effects i think you know what the problem is and i don't know if you guys will agree with anything between 1994 and 2001 it's like the birth of special effects so mm-hmm. they don't look good i don't like the scene in particular where you have all those freddies because that i think a lot of them are real people in makeup but i think some of them are special effects or cgi and it looks pretty awful uh Right. What do you think of the special effects here? They were, like you said, like there were some parts that were good, some parts that were okay. Yeah. What about you, Leo? 
Yeah, similar. I think like the uh, when the glove goes by itself, like, that's a little like meh. But at the same time, the the reenactment of Tina's death, where you see her being dragged through like the like the ceiling, or like that, that looks pretty freaking cool. So like, there were there were highlights. Yep. Uh, Freddie's finest, best death in the film. I went with Heather's husband in the car. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised. Sh- yeah, because I was gonna go with the Tina S death, but I, I like it looks so when he first sticks the 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 glove in his chest the stomach all the way down it, it looks so gruesome to me so i went with that uh leo who do you go with here i went with julie bro yes. i think that there, just a callback to tina i loved and it was like uh, like again you're paying homage to like part one like the and i was that's really really cool but this time you see him lifting her up and yeah. it was like oh this is what tina went through <laughs> and rye what do you think i went with the husband it's crazy. And then uh best Freddy quote. I actually went with uh when when Heather opens the closet and he comes out and he's like, Miss me. Uh yeah, so that's what I went. Any memorable quotes for you guys? No. Uh no, but to be fair, I think that that was the point of this one is that he wasn't as funny, he yeah. wasn't as quippy. It was like he's a dark motherfucker. <laughs> he reminds me of how he was in part two. Like just yeah. menacing motherfucker, like you said. Uh Freddie does Freddie survive? I don't think he survives this one at all. And then, here we go. 2003, Freddy versus Jason. Who's your MVP? Oh, my MVP, Heather Langenkamp. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Same thing for you, Leo. Same thing? I actually, I, I have to say, I have like two MVPs. Go for if it's it. like a character in the movie, it's Julie. I effing love Julie. I thought she was so freaking good. I didn't deserve to die like that. She She's did a it. fantastic person. By the way, um, I don't know what what do you guys think of the doctor? She was mean, man. Right? He was a terrible <laughs> person. Like <laughs> that's gotta be illegal to do what she did. <laughs> like she illegally but, uh, gave him drugs. She she what else? She was super rude to Heather. It was yeah. She was just terrible. I but, guess uh, she was supposed to be, but it's crazy. Um, Heather, but, but like it's funny, but but Heather's acting in this is way better than what she's done before. Yeah, um, she was but incredible. I think Wes Craven is my MVP, dude. I think what he did for this movie and how he just rebooted to be serious. I thought like you know only Wes could really do this. Yep, I agree. Alrighty, now we can go on to Freddy versus Jason. Oh. <laughs> Come on, you! All right, Ryan, I'll let you kick it off. What do you think about Freddy versus Jason? Or not, Leo? What do you think about Freddy versus Jason? I freaking adore this movie. Oh my gosh, I can just for what it meant to me, like and and how it introduced me to Freddy Krueger, like and made me want to watch those movies. I I thought it it, it encapsulates his energy. What is, is the difference between him and and Jason Voorhees? Yep. Um, I thought it was a good movie. I know it's not like I know it's not a good film, but I can literally watch this movie at any time just if it's on. So I like Freddy vs. Jason. I was hyped for Freddy vs. Jason. I don't like some of the ex- things in Freddy vs. Jason, some execution uh, plot holes that really, really are huge plot holes. Um, hey, well, actually, Dave, when you went into this movie, were you like already Jason Voorhees like this is my dude. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. That's I was. Re- I I love Freddy, but I was rooting for Jason. I because I I I love the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but I think Halloween's my favorite of all of them. But Friday, I have the most fun with. Dude, I remember at the movie theater when I went to watch it because I went I went to watch it opening night. Um, the fans in the movie theaters were chanting for both sides. 
like people were chanting for Freddie, people were chanting for Jason. It was like you were going to a sports game. Yeah, it was the same with mine. Uh, Ryan, before we get into that, what do you think of Freddie versus Jason? I dug it, and it's funny because on the rewatch for this week, I for <clears throat> excuse me, I forgot how much I dug it, and just from beginning to end. Um, yeah, so I I love that aspect, Leo. My theater was the same thing. And I actually, one of the things that I will say that I love was the ending because Jason did win this battle, but technically he didn't win the war because Freddy's still alive. Yeah. So I really do like that aspect that they left it open-ended. We're never going to get another one. So at least we got one. And it was, yeah. the fight yeah. itself was fantastic. Like them fucking killing each other was wonderful. Oh, so good. Mm -hmm. I wish it was longer. But in terms of uh, box office, this one did make money. $116 million. Nice. Now, character-wise, I don't like anybody <laughs> outside of Freddy um, versus Jason. I liked one guy. I liked um, Jason oh Ritter, God. the guy that plays Will. No, he was cool. He was cool. He was a little geeky, but he was cool. No, I liked um, oh my gosh, this kid, this kid, uh, Mark, the one that um, the one that can't fall. Like his brother dies. Yeah. Uh, Do you know who his father, uh, his brother is? Right. Mark's real, real father. No, a brother in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Fark, oh Scott Farkas from uh, Christmas Story. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I like, I, Mark. I like Mark. I like the only one. I like the deputy. That's about it. Okay. The one that was uh, working in Crystal Lake or is from Crystal Lake or whatever. Uh, here's here, Crystal Lake is in New Jersey. And Elm Street and Springwood is in Ohio. Ohio, yeah. You're not going to make that drive in like 22 minutes like they did in this movie <laughs> so i had a really big problem and i also hate poor man jason muse i don't <laughs> oh wow that's fantastic right that you didn't notice so poor man jason muse <laughs> as soon as the first time i saw it i was like oh why does that this why not only is he a stoner he's looked exactly like jason muse so i, I yeah that that didn't work for me at all uh some facts about the movie uh betsy palmer was originally asked to reprise her roles as Mrs. Voorhees for that opening scene, but she turned it down because she felt the role was too small. I don't know what else she wanted, but... <laughs> Following the release, Monica Kina and Catherine Isabel had rather choice words about the film, with Kina in particular saying that she thought the screenplay was terrible and that she only really signed on for the money and to raise her profile. And you can tell, because I don't really like her, uh, she's very disingenuous when you see her at conventions. Uh, her Q and A's, you can tell that she really doesn't really have any fan love for the. I mean, fan love for the film. It was more of a paycheck, and she just does these cons for money. Uh, I, mean, I mean, they all do, but like it's one of those. You can tell she doesn't have a passion for the franchise or anything like that. Uh, with Isabella's problem, were mostly due with the fact that she didn't get along with Ronnie Yu, who tried to force her to do a nude scene, even though she had specifically requested no nudity clause when she signed on for the film. Oh wow! Yeah. This one's, out of all the things wrong with this movie, this is what pissed me off the most. Veteran Friday the 13th actor Kane Hodder, who played Jason in parts 7, 8, 9, and 10, was recast for because they wanted Jason to be taller. That's yeah. a, so fucking stupid. I hate it. It doesn't make a difference. And I like well, Kane. Go ahead, right? Go I, ahead, Lee. I'm sorry. I, I also heard that, and this is like, again, like this, like, during this movie, I was like so paying attention to everything. Um, I also heard that they, it was something about his eyes. That they gave him very like soulful eyes, and in the whole Freddy versus Jason motif, even though Jason is a villain, like he's also got a very sympathetic backstory. 
And um, and I think when going against Freddie, who has no sympathetic backstory, they wanted to get the fans to be more on the side of Jason. And his eyes seemed a little bit, I mean, for the fact that you can only see one of them, but that they he it looked a little bit more like you soulful, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if that was the case, I mean, I don't really see a difference, to be honest with you. I don't know. I just love Kane Otter as Jason. And yeah. he he like in, he was that character, and and I feel bad because it's something that he's gone on record saying that he was crushed about because he really sure. wanted that role, or yeah. that. So it's it just sucks. Uh, Seventeen scripts were submitted for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I have. Seventeen scripts were submitted for this movie, uh, and that's the reason we got Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X because throughout this time it was in production hell for about seventeen or about thirteen fourteen years. Uh, two two uh two twists that were considered would have connected the past of Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. I don't know how you would have liked that at all. Uh, I would have actually. And then in the original script, Tommy Jarvis was was in the original script. I don't know what you guys think, but I would have liked if they had Alice and Tommy Jarvis come in for this movie. Like you would have, yeah. Like Tommy would have been for you know would it help on the Jason side, and for and then obviously Alice would have helped with the Freddy side. They would have fought each other, but at the end, Alice and Tommy team up to get rid of both of them. I love it. Yeah, I should have written a script for this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, uh, this I hate, and I hope you, and I'm sure you guys hate this well as well. The screenwriters and other several cast members were strongly against the scene in which Freddy is called a F word by Kia. Oh my gosh, yes. Feeling it was hurtful for any LGBTQ uh, uh, fan or supporters of the film. I didn't like it then. I hate it even more now. It does. It's, it has no place in the movie. It has zero. It, it doesn't add anything to it. I don't, and the script writers didn't even write that in the script. It was a change on set. So it was, what? yeah, it doesn't mean, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand at all. It was ridiculous. And I, I assume you guys agree with me on that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So special effects in the movie. What do you guys think? Yes. I like yeah. it. I yeah. liked it a lot. I, I like all the stuff, all the effects that were used for when they were fighting each other. It was pretty awesome. Uh, Freddy's finest, uh, best kill in the movie. I went with the entire party, honestly. But most, if I had to pick one thing from the party, it was the fat stoner who got the flaming machete through him. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's an awesome one. Uh, Leo, what about you? So it's funny. Like, the uh, a quick, like, uh, trivia. Freddy only kills one person in this whole movie. Every other kill is Jason. You're right. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like I and I, I gotta stick with my boy. The kill of Mark. Mark's death I thought was super freaking cool. Like it's going between like asleep and awake. He's torturing him like he usually tortures people, and he sends that message when he's like burning up and like scarring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mark's death. So for me, I actually went with poor man's Jason Muse because we just got rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for real though, I actually like the bed kill when Jason kills. He sticks the the machete and then he closes the bed on the on the on the boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, best best in show. Who who was the MVP of the film? I went with Robert Englund. Yes. Right. Yeah. I was Robert about to Englund. say this one. I hope you went with Robert Englund. Uh, best Freddy quote. I don't think he has that mem- that many memorable quotes in this one. So it's funny on. I this- can't think of one. 
like, the intro to Freddy Krueger, where he's like, when he starts, he's like, my children. And he gives you like the whole like summary of everything that's happened mm, to him. Like that. I freaking got goosebumps when I'm hearing Robert Unglin just like give you that whole like the rundown. This is how we got to. Yeah, I freaking loved it. And then this is a simple one. Does Freddy survive the movie? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Alrighty. And let's finish up with this. Do we have to? Do we, we really have to? Have to? Do we, we have, have to? to? We're on a good roll here. We, we have to just end it here. We have to. <sighs> the so, remake. Uh, to our fans listening, you don't have to listen, but we have to say it. So <laughs> you can skip a few more. <laughs> I'm 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 just gonna I'm gonna just start by saying that I feel bad for Jackie Earl Haley. I don't I don't think he's bad as Freddy. I just don't think he's Robert England. Exactly. It's just just a role you just don't replace. That's why I don't think we'll ever get another nightmare because it's just impossible. It's impossible to replace him. Uh, and that's the only thing I can say about this movie that's positive. I, I hate everything. It's one of the worst horror films of all time. It's one of the hor- worst horror remakes of all time. Uh, Ryan, did you like this movie? Uh, trash. Freddy looks like shit. And yeah. Uh, Leo, did it. you like this movie? So it's funny. Dave and I have talked about this before. Um, yes, the movie is not at all what I wanted it to be or what any of us wanted him to be, right? And, and it definitely has so many weaknesses in it. But I did like uh, a part of the, um, I guess, the direction or the production of it. This one did the best job of not letting me know whether I was in the dream world or if I was awake. Like the, the, the transitions between some of like the visuals. And I think it's just because you're allowed more with the technology that we had in 2010. Yeah. I think this mm-hmm. one did a very, very good job of blending that like, crap, I, I lost track. Am I awake? Am I asleep? Am I awake? Am I asleep? I think this one did a good job in that. Alone. I actually <laughs> think Robert... England talked about that because he doesn't I don't he doesn't speak highly on this movie but um <laughs> one thing he has said is that the technology allowed you to be able to differ you know to hide the fact that you're in a dream or not in a dream yeah there were there were certain like flicker moments where like you see like Freddy standing and he's flickering between reality and like and, and and dream world and it's like you know that looks pretty cool I gotta give it that yeah and then um I'm, everyone looks so depressed in this movie. Yeah, they do. This mm-hmm. is like a, this is like I, I feel like Snyder had a hand in this. Oh my god, <laughs> you're right. Freaking... You're right. This is a Zack Snyder production. It must be. <laughs> everyone looks so depressed. I hate the cinematography in this movie. There's no color. There is no color in this movie. It is and I want to say that um Katie Cassidy's in this movie, and we should have known from the jump because she is like the horror remake jinx. Every horror remake she was in during this time was garbage. I believe she was in Black Christmas. I believe she was also in either Prom Night or another one, and they're all terrible. The uh, Some facts about the movie. Johnny Depp accompanied his friend Jackie Earl Haley to audition for A Nightmare on Elm Street. Instead of Haley being chosen for the role, it was Depp. And now in 2010, 26 years later, he plays Freddy. Are you serious? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, that's more of a rumor. I'm not sure how. No one's ever confirmed it, but it's a very strong rumor. Uh, Wes Craven had no idea this movie was being made. He was never approached by it. <laughs> approached that's about it. Disrespectful. Yep. That's up. He's gone on record and publicly spoke against it. Uh, at a Comic Con festival, England supported Jackie O'Haley in the role, but wasn't really a fan of the movie. The reason he supported Earl Haley was because of his portrayal in Watchmen, ironically, a Zack Snyder movie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
many scenes from the 84 film are copied almost shot for shot. So this is psycho apparently, but not in a good way. Uh, nothing that was redone in this movie looked better than it did in 84. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree on that. 100% agree. Yeah, it's just awful. Uh, the financial success of the film, the, su- the studio actually greenlit two sequels because the movie did do well at the box office. Do you guys want to take a quick guess of how much money this movie made? $115 million. Wow. Yeah, so it did make money. Uh, this is the last horror remake produced by fucking Michael Bay, of course. Uh, after My it, lord, that's fantastic. After the intense backlash of constantly remaking classic horror films, they decided to produce only original horror films. And they are the producers of The Purge and A Quiet Place. So not all is terrible from his production company. And finally, Rooney Mara almost quit acting because of her time on the film. So I feel like this and Van Forstick have destroyed that family's like ideologies and acting. You know what's crazy about Rooney Mara is that the same year she did this, she did The Social Network. And in the following year, she... F- fucking should have won an oscar for the girl in the dragon tattoo and oh, no, the f- yeah, she was she was killing it at this time in her career yeah. like this movie should have done well and yeah definitely not uh killer graphics special effects in the film the effects are awful there's nothing no effects i want to highlight i want to low light that effect where he cgi's out of the wall while nancy's oh, in bed so bad so yeah. bad uh freddie's finest any kill that you actually like i don't really care for any kill in the film so yeah, I, nothing stood out. I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't know if Ryan agrees, like, especially with our fascination with the Arrowverse. I am a Katie Cassidy fan. Like, I have to give her props. I have to, like, at least watch what she does. Um, her death uh, was pretty cool. I think, uh, I think it was a pretty cool, like, it wasn't exactly as good. It was definitely not as good as the original. But, like, the way that we still lost track of that awake and asleep thing, where she wakes up, goes outside to look for her dog, sees Freddy, comes back inside, goes back to sleep. It's, it's, I, I thought it was a good way to confuse me as the viewer. I, I thought it looked pretty cool. All right, what about you, Rye? Nothing? Nothing stood out, even that. <laughs> what about um, MVP? I actually do think Jackie O'Haley is really good in this, so I just went with him. Anything for you? Uh, I said Jackie. Yeah. yeah. And Rye? I'll go with Jackie. All right, best Freddy quote. None, because nothing. No, uh, nothing. there was one. I, I, I like the one. In Which this. one? Um, why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. Yep, that actually is good. Yeah, I'll give All you right, that. That is good. I'll that give is you good. That. And finally, does Freddy survive? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's funny. When, remember when, when we were discussing? Um, I think Dream Master, like how uh, how Rye was like forgettable. That's what this one was. I'm like, I don't even care. <laughs> yeah, terrible. So yeah. How does he die in this one? Do you, I don't even remember. I think he dies the same way he dies in the original. I gotcha. think. I don't even remember. I watched it this week and I don't. Even, I already forgot. Alrighty, so we have to finish this up now, and look at the rankings of these films. Now, I I think that this was. A lot easier to rank than most. I don't know if you guys had, this, had the same thing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to run through it. My worst in the franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. Does anyone have anything different? Agreed. Agreed. Right. Next one for me, and it definitely won't be for Ryan. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Agreed. Ryan? Uh, night- 
Uh, no, I have something different. What do you have? Dream Child. All right. Next up, I have Dream Child. What do you Agreed. have? Agreed. Same. Ryan, I guess I this... have uh, Dream Master. Oh my God! <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, next up, I have Dream Master. What do you have? Right. Uh, oh no. What do you have, Leo? I have. I have. Uh, I have Freddy's Revenge. Oh okay. What about you, Ryan? Ready. I have Nightmare Two. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Me and Ryan are aligned. Cool. Top five. I have Freddy yeah. versus Jason. Hell yeah! What do you have, Freddy versus Jason? Also. Yep. Nightmare. Uh, new nightmare. You, oh my God! Right? Wow. You made me cough. That's how. Just. just <laughs> oh my God! All right. Top four. My number four is Freddy's Revenge: Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. What do you have, Leo? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I messed up. I meant to put uh, Final Nightmare for that one. I apologize. Oh, thank God. All right. Good. All right. What do you have, Leo, for number four? Dream Master. Awesome. Right. For that one, I have a new nightmare. Okay, cool. Number three, I have Dream Warriors. Rye, what do you have? Freddy versus Jason. And Leo. New nightmare. Awesome. Number two, I have new nightmare. Rye, what do you have? I have Dream Warriors. And Leo. Dream Warriors. And because we're not crazy and insane, (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street is our number one. Awesome. Fun episode. Next week, we head to Crystal Lake as we look at the Friday the 13th franchise, and then we finish up the month of October looking at Halloween. Ryan, will you be back for Halloween? I will be back for Halloween. Ah, great. Until then, see you on Elm Street, kids. Never sleep again, again, again.